0: Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org.
1: So I want to welcome everybody. It's uh, 5 o'clock. People are still arriving, but um, I'll say a few things an introduction. Um, one is, you know, if you're here for the first time, welcome. As a reminder, this is not a refuge recovery meeting. This isn't. This is not what a like a typical refuge recovery meeting is. This is a um, refuge recovery world services teacher led offering, um, where I'm actually going to give some teachings and we'll do some meditation and. Um, maybe have some discussion if we have time, which is different than our refuge recovery meetings, which are peer led. And, um, and hopefully nobody in refuge recovery meetings is doing what I'm doing here <laughs> of actually giving a, a Dharma talk. Um, and uh, so really welcome everybody, but also uh, I'm kind of out of it. I'm like, um, I'm quarantined with COVID. I've had COVID for the last um, ten days or so. I'm, I'm just, I'm just about clear. I'm feeling a lot better physically. I'm not um, sick like I was last week a bit, but um, I'm like foggy. I've got like brain fog. <laughs> my, my mind is uh, not as uh, sharp, which can kind of be pleasant actually to not have such a sharp mind. <laughs> with all of his jagged edges, but we'll see um, how it goes trying to uh, use my mind to share some of my understanding of of the Dharma with you tonight. So bear with me, be patient. Um, The topic uh, for tonight, we're in the midst of a series for these first Thursday talks, And tonight is compassion, what I'm doing is I'm going through the heart practices from the uh, Buddha's teachings from our practice and refuge recovery of developing uh, wise heart qualities and uncovering loving kindness last week we did loving last month we did loving kindness. Uh, Tonight the topic is compassion, and then we'll move on to um, appreciation and equanimity. And uh, maybe we'll circle back around with forgiveness again, since forgiveness is such a core part of our practice and and so much connected to compassion, what we're talking about tonight. Um, Maybe forgiveness is a act of compassion, both on ourselves, or maybe mostly on ourselves, but also sometimes towards others. So compassion um, is very central in what we're doing in Refuge Recovery. It's very central in the Buddha's teachings. Um, And Buddhist understanding of compassion is a bit different than our Western ideas about compassion. And even just using this word compassion, we all have our uh, conditioning around what what does that mean? And the, the Western perspective um, you know, translated from the Latin that means something like um, to suffer with, to feel with, to to you know, kind of. Um, and so, if you think that com- it's compassionate to suffer with someone, uh, that's okay. Um, but that's not the Buddhist. Uh, perspective <laughs> that's not what the buddha was talking about when he talked about the compassion that we can develop and uncover and and experience directly. Um and this is, this is in you know a, very important. I mean I'm going to say that a whole bunch of times tonight I'm sure but this is one of the pieces that's even just getting our intellectual uh theoretical understanding of what is it what does compassion mean? It's more important to experience it than to understand it with our minds to actually have the direct experience, but to get our mind around, what are we trying to do? What does it mean? um, That way, at least we know we're kind of heading in the right direction where our our aspiration is going uh, towards where we wanna go with it. So from a Buddhist perspective, when we have true compassion, for ourselves or for someone else, uh, there wouldn't be any uh, suffering. Uh, You wouldn't be suffering with them. Caring about someone else's pain um, is, is not to suffer with them. It's just caring. It's just friendliness. It's just empathy, but not suffering with. It's feeling moved. Uh, This, this term Karuna is the Buddhist word that we translate as compassion and Karuna means something like uh, the direct experience, the feeling of movement in your heart of like, uh, sometimes it's, uh, I heard it uh, or saw it translated as a quivering of the heart in response to pain. Either our own pain or, or others, internal or external pain. That part of us that cares about it, that feels moved, that has a feeling of friendliness and warmth towards pain, rather than anger, resentment, fear, hatred—the you know the normal reactive tendency. So, uh, why is it important? Um, it's important because there's so much pain in our human experience. Uh, There's so much pain in the world outside of us. There's so much pain unpleasantness in uh, our own direct experience of having a mind and a body and a nervous system and uh, so many unpleasant experiences that we're faced with every day, whether they're the subtly subtle annoyances that are unpleasant or the big, Difficulties, the big pains that are are, are more than annoying, are are uh, can feel unbearable. So compassion is important because we're born into this body that has a survival instinct that wants to get rid of pain, and that has this delusional idea that if we could just stay ahead of pain or avoid it or suppress it or medicate it like most of us did for so long, that um, somehow we could get rid of our pain. And of course, this is part of the wisdom that we're developing, which is that it is totally and completely impossible to not experience pain. And because that's true, Um, because pain is unavoidable on whatever levels, unpleasantness is unavoidable, then compassion is the only rational relationship, the only wise relationship that we can have towards all of the unpleasant experiences that we're going to face. But again, it's not—it's um, not so easy. It's not—it's not just a decision we can make. I mean, probably a lot of you, a lot of us, a long time ago said, "You know, I'm going to try to be compassionate. <laughs> I'm going to just do that. That sounds good. I read the, the book. It says be compassionate. I'm going to do that." But it's so counter to our instinctual drive that it takes most of us, a very long time, to become very skilled at consistently meeting our pain or the pain of others the pain in the world with a true uh, open heart, a true friendliness, a true caring. And, and as I started, there's also this danger and compassion of going, uh, if, if, our, if our caring is mixed with attachment, um, uh, if we have some of what we sometimes call codependency, or, uh, then we will, su- then, uh, in the name of compassion, often we will suffer. We'll say, I care about you and you're in pain. So I'm suffering with you, uh, rather than I care about you. And I understand that all I can do is care that I can't fix you. I can't save you. I can't, uh, do anything except for meet you with friendliness and and love and and warmth and care, compassion. I heard a teacher one time, I remember a long time ago when I heard this and I, th- I thought it was, uh, I thought it was actually sort of rude that he said it, <laughs> uh, but I liked it. it, after a while it sort of warmed up to me. He said, you know, when we're developing, compassion, practicing Buddhism and developing compassion. He said, you have to make sure you're developing true compassion and not idiot compassion. And I remember at the time being like, that's fucking rude. (laughs) But as he explained it, he said, if your compassion is causing you suffering, it's not true compassion. It's idiot compassion. True compassion is non-attached. There's no attachment to the outcome. There's no needing the pain to end, not needing this world to be different than it is or this moment to be different than it is. It's just the full acceptance of this is unpleasant and I'm learning to care about it rather than hate it. No suffering with true compassion. As our goal, right? As our aspiration. I want to get there. I want to get to the place where I can just care without suffering about it. Um, In refuge recovery, we have several different, uh, so so many of our practices are about developing compassion. Uh, Mindfulness itself develops compassion. As we practice present time non-judgmental investigative awareness in our mindfulness practice, mindfulness of the breath, of the body, especially as we turn towards uh, the second foundation of mindfulness and we start to identify that we're always perceiving our experience both internal and external as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Everything that we experience as unpleasant is teaching us to meet our experience with compassion. And as you start mindfulness, if you're like me, when I started mindfulness, uh, I saw, oh yeah, no, I hate pain. (laughs) I drink about pain. I use about pain. I avoid pain. I've been doing that my whole life. And then coming to Buddhist practice and being invited to sit in it, learn to tolerate it, learn, to feel it, learn that it's impermanent, learn that it's impersonal, learn that even the most unpleasant experience will arise and pass. And so there's this process that happens in mindfulness, especially in the sitting meditation of mindfulness, which is you sit down, if you're like me, uh, most of us, I think this is common, you sit down and you say, oh, I can barely tolerate sitting still. This is so unpleasant to just sit here and feel my breath and listen to my mind and not fidget around. And there's this like sitting with intolerance, <laughs> but doing it anyways, just one breath at a time. Okay, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to breathe with it. And then somewhere over here is compassion. And so we start with like a lack of compassion, a lack of tolerance. And then the more we sit, the more we say, okay, now I can do 20 minutes a day and I have a little bit more tolerance. And now I can do, you know, 30 minutes a day. And I have a bit more uh, ability to tolerate all of these unpleasant thoughts that come through all of these unpleasant sensations, my knees ache, my back aches, my shoulders, wherever, wherever the pain comes in our bodies. And that pain in sitting meditation, if we're meeting it with non-judgmental awareness, mindfulness, and identifying this is just unpleasant sensation, we increase our tolerance and increase our tolerance. And I believe that there's like a mid point that we get get to in meditation. Uh, Some of you've experienced this, some of you are still in the sitting with (laughs) intolerant, tolerating, (laughs) barely tolerable, um, we get to this midpoint where it's like, I don't quite care about my pain yet. I don't quite, I don't quite have compassion yet, but I don't hate it the way that I used to. I'm not making it worse. When we meet pain with, I hate this, we create suffering. That's the simple equation that, that Buddhism teaches us. Pain met with resistance, met with hatred, met with aversion, equals an extra layer of suffering. So you see, after you've been sitting for a while and you meditate regularly and say like, oh, now I don't quite care about it yet. I'm not really, I don't feel super compassionate yet, but I don't hate it the way that I used to. I've become more tolerant. I'm not creating as much suffering on top of my pain as I used to. Maybe that is the definition of mercy, of meeting ourselves with mercy, and that it's a part of the process as we develop compassion is that we go from intolerance to learning to be more tolerant to learning to be merciful. The definition of mercy is something like not making things worse, not causing harm, in a situation where you have the power to cause harm. The more we're mindful, the more we start to see, oh, I'm causing myself harm all of the time by hating my experience rather than accepting it and caring about it and forgiving myself and others. I have the power through meditation, through discipline, through what we're doing here to stop hurting myself and others as an act of mercy. Now, mercy doesn't always mean that we're feeling super loving, that we're feeling super compassionate. Sometimes it's just, uh, it's like a renunciation. It's like a, uh, maybe I think this is the wrong term, but like harm reduction. I'm not causing the kind of harm to myself that I used to because I've learned to accept and tolerate my own pain as an act of mercy. And then, as we keep going with the mindfulness, sitting with the pain, seeing the impermanent arising and passing, inclining the heart towards friendliness, towards you start to get those experiences of like, oh, I'm not just tolerating this, I'm actually starting to care. I'm actually starting to care about my own emotional, physical, and mental pain. And I'm um, not suffering about it, but, and, and that's where it's connected with loving kindness. It's connected with mercy. It's connected with forgiveness, but it's that direct feeling of your own heart, feeling moved by your own pain or the pain of others. A lot of people claim to be very compassionate towards others, but not very compassionate towards themselves. This, this practice, uh, and maybe, maybe that's very true, this practice puts a lot of emphasis on self-compassion, that we have to learn this towards our own pain. And some would propose that actually, if we can't fully care about ourselves, we can't fully care about others either. And so from the inside out, we're learning to uh, increase our tolerance, our mercy, and our compassion. And mindfulness does this uh, eventually. You know, the Buddha's experience of awakening uh, was through mindfulness. He said, I turned towards my pain and I learned to meet it with compassion. I turned towards pleasure. I learned to meet it with non attachment. I turned towards the mind and learned to not take it all so personally. <laughs> It was all mindfulness that led to that freedom that he experienced. Compassion is a byproduct of deep,
2: mindful investigation of our pain.
1: Later in the Buddha's teachings, he said, okay, also you can practice loving kindness. You can practice compassion. You can incline your heart. You can uh, a little bit fake it till you make it. You can radiate compassion. You can incline your heart. Even if you're not feeling it yet, you can say these phrases May I learn, may I be filled with compassion. May I learn to care about my pain and the pain of others. And there's something to this, you know, kind of what we now know as neuroscience is that if we get those phrases going, um, we train our mind in the compassionate phrases, it starts to. Um, Give us the direct experience of caring and that it's not going to happen all by itself. That we have to actually meditate our way. Uh, you know, whether whether it's the perspective that we're creating the neuropathways or it's this other uh, perspective that I like, which is that each phrase is like uncovering. Some compassion that's always been here, but that's been buried beneath our reactive, habitual, uh, aversive tendencies. And um, so mindfulness leads to compassion eventually. Uh, And then the loving, the compassion practice that we have that we do in meetings leads to compassion, uh, saying the phrases. And then also, as most of you are probably aware, I borrowed from Tibetan Buddhism the practice of Tung Len, which is a practice of developing compassion. Um, most of most of um, refuge recovery is pretty Theravadan Buddhist based. Theravadan means the kind of path of the elders, the old old school. Um, Tonglen is one of the new school Tibetan practices, but I like it so much because it's helped me in my recovery so much to breathe in the pain, not just sit here and wait till I get uncomfortable (laughs) uh, through mindfulness, but to actually turn towards and bring to mind the pain in my life, the pain in the world, the pain uh, internally and externally, and breathe it in and feel it. And, and most of you are aware, and there's this visualization of feel the fire, feel the burning, feel the, the sm- like you're breathing in the smoke of suffering. And then train your heart and mind to breathe out compassion. To breathe out soothing, friendly, cool, uh, antidote to suffering, compassion. So that's what we, you know, those are the kind of three things that we, uh, three meditation practices, the mindfulness, the compassion practice, the Tonglen, all about developing compassion. Um, You know, and and so this is, this is pretty, uh, you know, there's only a handful of meditation practices that we're doing in refuge. And three of the handful are about how can we become more compassionate? How can we, Live into this. Also, the service that we do, the um, does on some level or another, help us with compassion. Becoming a mentor, uh, listening to other people's inventories. Uh, taking service commitments at meetings. It's an, it's an act of service is an act of generosity. It's an act of compassion, uh, you know, depending on your personal motivation, but on some level, hopefully our motivation is like, well, I'm here. I want to help the new people. I want to, I want to make available to new people, what was available to me. And so even if your, um, Doing pretty good now, and you're sober for a while, and your recovery is going pretty well. Out of compassion for the suffering of addiction, we keep showing up and we keep being of service, and we give out our number and we, you know, show up and help each other. And also, an act of engaged service is, is an act of, of compassion about caring about other people. And it's also one of the skills that's so necessary in mentoring, in uh, being of service to make sure that we're not in that attachment uh, compassion, where we're trying to save each other, where we're trying to fix everybody, where we're kind of got some codependency going in our, uh, in our compassion. And this is why the Buddha da- balances the encouragement to have compassion for all living beings with the equanimity teachings, which we'll do probably month after next. Um, The balance for compassion is equanimity. So compassion says, I care about you. And equanimity says, and I know I can't control you. I know that your happiness or unhappiness is not about how much I love you, not about how much I care about you. It's about your actions. And so that's where true compassion is balanced with the wisdom of non-clinging, non-controlling. So maybe enough for me, let's meditate for a few minutes and then we'll have some discussion. Um, Find a way to sit that feels like a good way to sit. And then when you're ready, allow your eyes to be closed. Take a moment to just release any unnecessary tension your body may be holding. Softening the eyes, the brow, the jaw. Even just softening feels like a physical act of compassion, of releasing resistance. allowing the breath to come and go naturally. As you exhale, try to soften your belly. Often our clinging, our resistance to what we're experiencing manifests as a hardness in the belly or a tightness in the shoulders or jaw. So we're
2: releasing
1: not to get the experience of relaxation so much, but as to be compassionate And allow ourselves to feel what we might be avoiding, what we might
2: be resisting.
1: Reflecting on your own relationship to your own pain, how do you respond when you're sick, when you're physically uncomfortable,
2: when you're stressed, all of the unpleasant experiences of our mind and body and establishing the intention,
1: the aspiration to meet ourselves with compassion. Saying the simple phrase in your heart and mind, may I learn to meet myself with compassion.
2: May I learn to care about my own pain, whether it's physical or emotional.
1: May I learn to care about my own pain. May I meet myself with compassion, this mind,
2: this body
1: and bringing in the Tong Lin practice of breathing in your own pain into your own heart center, the pain of our addiction, the first noble truth,
2: the pain of living with a
1: mind and body that craves, that is self-centered, fear-based, anxious, depressed, whatever pain we experience. Breathing it into the heart and feeling the heat of our pain and breathing out the intention of compassion towards our own pain, towards the addict mind, the addict body, and all of the other Suffering, the difficult
2: relationships, loneliness, conflicts, whatever wounds we're carrying. The
1: intention to meet it with compassion, exhaling the intention of compassion, even if you can't do it yet, as I said, can be totally fake it till you make it. My own experience was that it took some time of doing these practices but before
2: I really started to feel it. Breathing in the pain, breathing out compassion.
1: You can let go of the Tonglen or the compassion phrases and just sit with mindfulness of your body, present time, awareness, and scan your attention through your body for any sensations that are perceived as unpleasant. Is there any discomfort, any pain present? And if you can identify some, bring your attention, direct your mindfulness directly towards those sensations.
2: investigating our relationship to pain and inclining the heart towards tolerance, towards mercy,
1: softening the belly, releasing the jaw as an act of acceptance, even when the body's uncomfortable. learning to meet ourselves with compassion, with mercy, with tolerance, and also learning to meet others, thinking of the people in your life that you care about, that's easy to feel empathy,
2: and extending some compassion to them. May you be met with compassion. May you learn to meet your pain with friendliness and acceptance.
1: Perhaps using the tongue limb to breathe in the pain of our loved ones and so breathe out compassion towards them. And allowing it to expand. Think of all of the people you've met in refuge recovery so far, people like you recovering from addiction. That suffering of addiction that we all know so well.
2: And extending compassion to each other. Caring, friendliness. Breathing in the suffering. Of addiction, breathing out compassion.
1: One of the ways the Buddha encouraged us to develop this, as he said, radiate compassion in all directions to all of the suffering beings in the East, in the West, in the North, in the South, above and below, until we cover this entire planet with the aspiration of meeting all of the pain and confusion and ignorance, all of the suffering
2: with compassion, rather than suffering
1: at other people's suffering, rather than hating those who hate. Learning to love, to
2: forgive, to care.
1: Extending the wish, may all living beings be free from suffering as a compassionate wish. May all beings in existence, the young and old,
2: the nearby and far away, the rich, the poor, the oppressors and the oppressed. the prisoners and the guards. May all living beings do what needs to be
1: done in their own hearts and minds to end suffering. This is the most compassionate wish we can have for someone else. May you free yourself. May you learn to meet your own pain with mercy. And as we extend it in all directions to all living beings, remember that we are part of the all. Come back to your own mind, your own heart, your own body. This body that experiences addictive, repetitive cravings
2: or at least used to. This mind that probably obsesses sometimes, judges fears, worries, compassion for your own human condition.
1: when you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open, come back to our Zoom gathering.
2: I'd ring a bell if I had one, but I don't happen to have one on me.
1: So compassion for ourselves, for each other, is the antidote to suffering. Uh, In some, you know, like, sometimes I've thought, like, okay, Buddhism's pretty simple, really, right? It's asking us to do three things, (laughs) three simple tasks. Have compassion for pain. And it's like that's like a third of the, uh, you know, the the picture, the practice. Learn compassion for pain, and obviously, it's not so easy. It's a it's a long term uh, training of the heart and mind to be compassionate, both towards our own pain and other. You know, and then, uh, you know, the other two are uh, non attachment, letting go, non attachment. And uh, understanding that it's all not that personal, you know, that this kind of self centeredness of the human condition is is really quite delusional. We're taking a lot of stuff personal that's just not your fault. (laughs) Just not, it's not even who we are, much less uh, our fault. so, anyways, compassion is the topic tonight. What are your questions, comments, clarifications, uh, Rosaline? I see you have a hand up. Jump in if you want to ask something or say something.
0: Hi, Noah. You know, what? I didn't. I didn't have my ha- um, I didn't have my hand up. I don't know how it, that happened. It went um,
1: up all by itself.
0: <laughs> um, you know, just to say thank you. Um, you have such a wonderful way of summarizing such powerful concepts into um, a kind of a, I don't want to degrade it by saying user-friendly, but there's something, you just have this wonderful ability to, to summarize things. And um, it's, I'm um, on a medical detox from Xanax right now. <laughs> and so um, it's been a struggle and, you um, at least I get to be home at least I get to work I mean there's a lot of things to be grateful for but the idea of compassion is um feels like um it goes against so much conditioning sometimes but um it's been happening um I've been practicing for some time and (laughs) i practice with you um it's been um it's been it was just such a timely talk and um What can I say? Um, Just that those times when I can look at myself and say, I don't want to scare, well, I don't want to scare you. Why would I want to scare you? And where I can just really soften, have been beautiful, just utterly beautiful. And um, thank you again for this wonderful talk.
1: Welcome. Yeah. And especially in the midst of detox, we need as much compassion as we can must oh, for that unpleasant shit. experience.
0: You know, I, the I think some of the worst is over, but I'm still on it. You know, you have to titrate off Xanax pretty slowly. So um, there'll be some, yes, thank you. Compassion, <laughs> extremely important and much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Noah. You're and welcome. Maybe, and for fog, for having a foggy brain, man. <laughs> <Woo>. Thank <laughs> please you. Please feel better. I'll, I'll, please feel better. Okay.
1: You know, I just want to make a, a comment. I don't, I don't know that this wasn't really about you, but it just the thought arose. Um, like, how often do we? I think I might've even put a a thing in the book about this where there's this concept of like the compassionate thing to do is what will make us more comfortable. Um, And that we justify a lot of things in our life. I think this is a misunderstanding that often uh, not often, but sometimes the, the most compassionate thing we can do is to feel our own pain and get sober and detox And, but there is, there is that sort of, like, I remember like when they were making marijuana, like medical marijuana, and there was all this like compassion care. Like if you're uncomfortable and you get high, it's a compassionate thing to do. Now, of course, for certain medical things, and you can alleviate some symptoms. Yes. But that's not, you know, that's like medical compassion. That's not Buddhist compassion. Buddhist compassion isn't about alleviating and getting rid of It's about learning to care about, Um, you know, alleviating whatever discomfort we can. That's not compassion. That's just practical. That's just rational. Like, of course, like avoid whatever pain you can avoid. But so much of it's unavoidable. Compassion is our only true hope when it comes to learning to really live with the realities that sickness, aging, death, discomfort is happening for all of us. Uh, Michael, go ahead, jump in.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot, Noah. Uh, really appreciate the talk and the meditation. Um, I just wanted uh, to plug and, and give a little testimonial for how this worked for me in terms of the uh, compassionate, in the in the loving kindness meditation, which is like, for me, it's kind of a form of compassion. It's uh the, the the one clear metric for me was you know h- how you've organized this meditation
1: many of these meditations
3: is you you're thinking of you know you're giving compassion to someone that's a benefactor then you're giving compassion maybe to someone that you have you know mixed feelings with then you're giving compassion to uh someone that you have difficulties with you know and and, and so on in the spectrum what was really cool to me was when i first started doing these um loving kindness meditations I had this one person that was very difficult in my life and I had her in the difficult section of my um loving kindness meditation and she hasn't changed one iota her actions are exactly the same as what they were but my reaction to her is different and I've moved over to the family you know mixed feelings and I I kind of have laughed out loud at myself about that and I really appreciated the practice, um, and I could see a really clear metric with the same exact person doing the same exact thing. And I'm approaching it, you know, with more loving kindness. Um, it is a practice and, uh, you know, I'm getting better at it. Um, the other thing that you, that I would comment on is, um, even before I started recovery, I learned this term called, um, compassionate curiosity. And that really helped me a lot in terms of just you know, someone's like in my face and they're getting all like, you know, annoying at me and stuff. And, and, you know, previously, particularly, you know, in the fit of addiction, I would just, you know, snap back and, and, you know, I try to protect my ego. Uh, but using that tool of compassionate curiosity just shifted everything, you know, because I'm an intellectual person. I like to figure out, you know, to me, one of the great things about this program is it's turned life from a series of problems that need to be solved to um a series of experience experiences that need to be lived including my own emotional life which is something that i have access to now thanks to you know this program NAA, which i started in the other thing i wanted to say is I, I your last comment was really cool because um this idea of leaning into discomfort is uh it's a tough one and and i'm trying to practice it and i think you know the i know where you know <laughs> I, i'm not trying to uh I, are you not supposed to like go towards outcomes well my life has been better because of it and uh so thanks a lot
1: of course of course no thank you and so it's, it's it's important to share those sort of testimonials of like oh and i was you know this is actually working <laughs> this is not theoretical you know the people are moving from the difficult categories and, you know, and ultimately what's being said here is that like, we can get to the place where we don't have to suffer about anything anymore or anyone if we really keep going to, uh, you know have compassion. And I like that curiosity of like, oh, I wonder, wonder why that person is suffering so much. <laughs> that sort of, you know, clearly if they're uh, difficult to be around, it must be difficult in them, you know. So anyways thank you Michael Rachel, go ahead and jump in.
4: Hi Noah thank you. Um, I feel like every time that you talk about compassion it's always like really necessary. I don't know if that's just because it's like a common theme that it you're, uh, you're const- I'm constantly moving away from and need to like re remind myself to get back to or what but but um, So there's a question in here somewhere. I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, but my experience, um, is that I almost get so attached to suffering. Like when I'm feeling like, I feel like when things are good, it's not, I don't expect it to last forever. It's like, I always expect to get back to this place of feeling in pain or suffering. Um, And so I don't know if it's, if like, it's almost like I have this attachment to this idea of myself as this broken person or like somebody who's going to cycle back to this plate, this dark space, um, which is really depressing, I guess. Um, But, and, and I, I wouldn't say that that is, it's definitely not compassionate. I mean, it's like kind of an acceptance, but it's also in a way like how you were talking about this Western idea of compassion as suffering with, it's like, I'm like have this double layer of suffering because I'm like feeling almost sad for myself or I don't know if any of that makes sense, but I guess that's, it's, it's not, it's kind of an aversion, because it's like, I hate this, but it's also not like I'm letting myself feel it. It's almost like I'm letting myself feel
1: too much. A mm-hmm. um, couple of pieces that i just, just a couple of reflections, which is um, part of it, part of its wisdom, right? Part of that is wisdom of like, it's the first noble truth. You know, it's the, the, the reality for all of us is that, you know, uh, until we're enlightened, there's going to be more and more <laughs> suffering, right? Like it's just part of the reality. Um, so some of that is wisdom, right? Like some of that is is you're just seeing like, yeah, there's all of this suffering and even when it's good, it'll pass. <laughs> even when it's pleasant, it'll pass. And it's like, yeah, that's actually all true. Um. so don't give yourself too hard of a time about it but then also we have to be careful where there's that part of us that's sabotaging where it's like actually th- things could be better for uh, uh you know like I could suffer a lot less about this stuff but I'm drawn to it because it's all I've ever known and it's in some way or another, my wires are crossed, and it feels like love. Right? Suffering feels like love in some way or another, right? Um, so, there might be some uh, practice joy practices. Like I don't know what happens when you. Of course, you know the the more you do the the compassion practice, even for that side of you that's attached to your own suffering. Say, oh, I care about you too rather than disowning that part of like, oh, compassion for, I care about even that part of my mind that's, that's quite, um, you know, it's maybe what we call Mara. Um, but then also do joy practices and, and do more awareness of like, oh, it's not all suffering all of the time. Actually, there's this joy. Can I learn to uh, accept, to enjoy, to um, be with the pleasant moments? when there is no suffering at all. And, you know, uh, so as some balance, you know, if you're kind of mm-hmm. lean towards the dukkha a lot, uh, the the flip side of that is what we call sukha, joy, and lean towards that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I hope that's a little bit helpful, Rachel.
4: Yeah, I, I've noticed that at times where I have been really invested in mindfulness and, you know, taking the time to just be outside and be present, that it's not, it kind of balances it out a little, a little bit. Um, and another interesting thing, like personal anecdotal so my DOC was a dissociative drug. So it was like kind of allowing me to detach. Um, from that because I was leaning so hard into the suffering so
1: yeah well and I don't know how long you're in recovery now but um this is going to change a lot as you meditate every day for the next year two years three years five years uh you're going to look back on like oh actually just like um the other fellow had said earlier like oh wow this shit's changing it's shifting um you know we don't stay stuck where we come in and uh, even if it takes some months and years to have those shifts those shifts happen and then you'll look back and be like i used to be so attached to my suffering and now i'm not so attached to it at all i meditated my way through that shit so hopefully it will be our experience um maybe that's enough for tonight been an hour so um, yeah let's leave it there for tonight thank you for showing up and um, next month i think we'll do appreciative joy so rachel please come back practice appreciative joy with us uh looking at the flip side of our relationship not just to pain, but how's our relationship to pleasure? How do we and jealousy and envy and all of those ways that we suffer about not only our own happiness, but suffer about other people's happiness? So we'll we'll do a dive into that next month. Um, so uh, see you in November. Thanks for being here tonight. If you care to make a donation to Refuge Recovery World Services, I do this as part of my service. I don't get paid to do this. I don't charge you to do this, um, but I am the um, you know fundraiser for <laughs> World Services. So if you can uh, make a donation or become a monthly supporter of Refuge Recovery World Services to help support our nonprofit's mission to support you and to, to support our program. Um, You can go to the website. It looks like um, it's been posted in the chat. You can donate over there. And um, last thing I'll say is that if you're not mentoring people, mentor people. Finish your inventories. Go to lots of meetings. Meditate every day. And together, let's create a positive shift not only on this planet, but in the kind of addiction recovery world, more refuge, more Dharma for uh, addicts. And it's what you guys are doing. So uh, be of service as much as you can and uh, thank you and see you, see you next time.
0: Refuge recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.